today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. comes and he declares to them, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I don't know about you, but for me, that would be really encouraging to to know that, man, though I really blew it really bad, God's love for me remains and he wants to continue to work and move within my life. And I know, man, in in the history of my life, uh, came to Christ truly as a senior in high school. There's actually been many times I've heard that word after there's been times of discipline and times of correction. Just the encouragement of the Lord. You know what? I'm with you. Don't fear. I'm with you. Keep going. Keep going forward. Discouragement never comes from God. He loves you dearly and He only allows struggles and hardship as an opportunity for you to grow closer to Him. As you stumble and fall in your effort to follow Christ through a dark and broken world, Know that God is cheering you on and always ready for you to lean in and trust Him for provision and strength. As Pastor David expresses in today's message, our temptations and trials are common, and they are no match for a heart that is fully trusting in God. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Haggai chapter 1 as he begins his message, Haggai and Zechariah, Restoration and Hope. Five months into our through the Bible study in a year. Remember, we're going to go through the Bible in a year. And, and again, the challenge for that is to be able to not find enough stuff, but to be able to pare down all that you have to where you still have a, a good, decent meal, a, a good, decent understanding of what the Word is speaking, and, and yet we're able to cover a, a great amount of territory in just this one year. So far, we've covered the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We, we've covered the, the, the books of history. That would have been John. Joshua and Judges and First and Second Samuel and First and Second King and First and Second Chronicles and Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther. We studied. We've gotten through all of those. That's seventeen books actually in a period of about twenty weeks that we've gone over. Now there were books that took more than one week, and I had to go back and look and see how many did how many books did I take more than one week. That was actually Genesis and. Exodus and Joshua and Judges. Took a couple of weeks on each one of those. There was other ones that I took more than one book. And I know that we like ran through Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And how many of you are glad we did? Amen? Okay. So, I mean, we could get bogged down in those. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of good stuff in there. But uh, we took all three of those in in one week. We took Ezra and Nehemiah. And again, there was a, a ton of history. There's a ton of things going on in Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah, but we combined them into one week. All that to say that we have actually 49 books left 
and we've got 36 weeks left of, of, of the time to cover them. So as I shared with you at the beginning of the study, since we're not able to go in, into real depth in any of these books, the purpose is is to give you kind of an overview, a, a, a taste of what each one of these books has for us, what the Lord would have us to see in there. And I fully understand that as we're going through there, I'm going to miss some of your favorite parts of some of those books. And you're going to wonder, wow, the best thing in that book, he like glazed right over. Why didn't he hit that? And then there's other things that I'll probably, that maybe spoke to me. And I thought, well, man, this is a really great part. And you're going to think, well, that's not really what I wanted to hear tonight. But you know what? I also know that the Holy Spirit is very good in taking the foolishness of preaching and touch our hearts and lives. And what amazes me is there's sometimes I go through uh, a study like tonight and I walk out of here and I think, wow, you know, hopefully that, you know, that touched somebody. And somebody will come up and say, you know, when you talked about this or this, that reminded me of how the Lord did this or this or this. And so it's not necessarily even what I'm saying, but it's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart, in your life. And gang, that's the most important thing right there. The hunger that you have for the things of God will take, again, the the ineffectiveness uh, of of what I do and stir in you uh, a a newness of thought, a a deeper understanding of, of something, again, as we go through these. So as we come this evening, we are actually in the books of Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai, Zechariah. If you want to know the easiest way to find Haggai, Zechariah, go to Matthew, make a left-hand turn, go past Malachi, and you'll have Zechariah and Haggai on the other side of Zechariah, okay? So the last three books in the Bible, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And, And they're no exception to what we've been speaking about. As a matter of fact, both of these books are a portion of what are called the minor prophets. And we're going to see a whole lot of things that we're going to leave laying on the table tonight that we're not even going to lift up and, and, and speak about. Uh, and, and again, due to the complexity of many of the prophetic books, it would really and truly be uh, nigh on impossible to try and, and cover them um, as completely and as satisfactorily as we'd probably like to do, particularly in any kind of a, a, a full study of these. So Haggai and Zechariah, they were both written during the same time frame as Ezra and Nehemiah, and that's why I'm making this big leap. Remember, we did... Esther, because that was during that same time Ezra, of, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther were kind of in the same time frame. Well, Haggai and Zechariah, they're all within that same time frame. It's during the time that the exiles are coming back from the Babylonian or what is now the, the Persian captivity, because while they're in captivity in Babylon, Babylon was defeated by the Persian Empire, and now they were, they were still exiles, but they were now exiles under the control of Persia. And so they come back, and they're coming back for the distinct purpose of rebuilding the temple there in Jerusalem, and then later uh, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. 
Now, as they started building the temple, after they laid the foundation of the temple, as we read and we looked at when we went through Ezra, there was about an 18-year delay uh, at that point in time. Because shortly after the work of the temple began, there arose a new emperor actually in Persia, and the non-Jews that were living down in the area of Judah, in the, in the area of Jerusalem, the non-Jews then took that opportunity with the new king in Persia to, again, come against those that were trying to rebuild the temple. They complained to the new emperor that these Jews that are building this temple, you gotta watch out for these guys because these guys are gonna build that temple and then they're gonna raise up in rebellion against you. You better not let them build the temple. So a, a, a stop was put on the work at that point in time by the new emperor of Persia. And again, that, that, at that point in time, the foundation that they had laid of the temple just laid undisturbed now for some 18 years. Then in the year 520 B.C., a new king came to Persia. But prior to that, or around that time also, the prophet Haggai began speaking, and he's called by the Lord to speak to the people there in Jerusalem. And his message to the Jewish people was one really of a rebuke for, for delaying the work of, of building the temple. And again, he, he travels in and he begins, re- look at chapter one of Haggai and look down, we'll, we'll just start uh, in, in verse three. Chapter one of Haggai, verse three. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, and he's speaking this to the people, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Wow, I don't know about you, but if I were to get the word from the Lord uh, directly and says, consider your ways, I think I would pause and start considering my ways. I think I'd pay attention to what's going on. Now, apparently, during this time, we see this uh, again, both in uh, Ezra as well as here in Haggai. Apparently, the Lord had, had brought a drought to the area during this time that they had laid off from building the temple. I mean, they started the temple, they stopped, they weren't doing anything, and God wanted to get their attention, so he brought to them a drought. Look down in verse six. He says, you've sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. How many of you know that (laughs) trick? Yeah, amen. Well, thus says the Lord of hosts. Here it is again. Consider your ways. God then begins telling them through the voice of the prophet. You need to continue to build. You need to go in there and begin building that temple one more time. Again, get it going and get it built. The Spirit of God then moved upon the leadership there and on the people, and so they started continuing the work there on the temple. Look down in verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the, the son of Shittiel, who is the governor of Judah. You need to understand, he's the, he's the secular or the civic leader there. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, 
who is the high priest. He's the spiritual leader. So you have both the secular leader and the spiritual leader being stirred up by the Spirit of God to, again, get this work going. And it also says, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. So the people themselves got stirred up by the Spirit of the Lord, and they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Now, if we were to go back into to Ezra, we'd find out that the, the non-Jews at this point in time, they're absolutely furious. For 18 years, they, the, the work had stopped and everything was pretty fine, but now God is stirring them up to start building. And the non-Jews, the enemies of, uh, again, Israel that were living in that area, they become absolutely furious. And so they complained back to Persia. Darius now is the king of Persia, and he receives this bad report. And so he decides, instead of just putting out the call of, hey, stop the work, he decides to go back and look at the archives and to find out, okay, what's going on? How did these people get down there? Why are they building? They used to be the exiles here. Why are they down there? And so as he searched the archives, he found the decree that had been given by Cyrus, the former king of Persia, that gave the Jews the right to rebuild the temple. And so because it was a declaration made by the king of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be removed. Remember the story of Esther and how, you know, he had given the decree to, Xerxes had given the decree to, to kill all the Jews. And he said, man, I can't take that back, but uh, Mordecai, you can make another decree and protect your guys' self. Well, again, the decree had been made there. So uh, Darius, he said, well, not only am I gonna allow you to continue building, but I'm also gonna help fund it and, and I'm gonna ask the Jews then once they build this temple to offer sacrifices there for me and, and prayers for me and my family. We read all about that over in Ezra. Now, as they, they built, it was very clear that this particular temple that they're building now, uh, again, it's, it's not gonna be near about as magnificent uh, or as large or as glorious as the former Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was the one that the Babylonians totally destroyed. Now they're coming in, building this second, what's called the second temple. And it's not gonna be anywhere near as beautiful as the first. And so God speaks through Haggai again, and he tells, and, and Haggai tells both Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest, as well as the people, again, to be careful on how they're thinking. Look in chapter two, drop down to verse four. In chapter two, verse four, we, we read, again, Haggai speaking to, yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people in the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Let me pause right there for a moment. They had been 70 years in exile, literally punishment, because they had gotten into idol worship. And because they had been worshiping these idols, God finally said, you know what? I'm taking my hand of protection from you. And that's when the Babylonians came in. They overthrew not only the country, but then Jerusalem itself and destroyed the temple, destroyed the city itself. And when you think about that kind of a situation, you think, God's done with me. 
God's finished. It's, it's over. Hang it up. I'm on my own. And yet, even while they were in exile, God declared to them through the prophets, no, I've not given up on you. You're going to be there for a while, but you're going to come back again. But again, you're going to be there for a while out of punishment. And now he comes and he declares to them, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I don't know about you, but for me, that would be really encouraging to to know that, man, though I really blew it really bad, God's love for me remains, and he wants to continue to work and move within my life. And I know, man, in in the history of my life, uh, came to Christ truly as a senior in high school. There's actually been many times I've heard that word after there's been times of discipline, times of correction. Just the encouragement of the Lord. You know what? I'm with you. Don't fear. I'm with you. Keep going. Keep going forward. Verse six there in chapter two. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it's a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now that's a great declaration. Let's talk reality here for a moment. These guys are standing there looking at this temple and it's nothing like what was before. I think they're gonna have a hard time. Okay, I just need to trust in blindness, blind faith that God is gonna do this because in the natural it doesn't look all that glorious. In the natural, it doesn't look all that wonderful. As a matter of fact, if you were to look at that second temple, you'd wonder how in the world that could ever be, that it would be just glorious and and wonderful. It was much smaller and not nearly as elaborate as Solomon's temple. And even that, that particular second temple that they're building centuries later, right before the Right at the, 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 the first century, the turn of the first century, the Romans through Herod began rebuilding, restructuring. They enlarged the temple. They enlarged the whole temple complex. They, he, he, he made it just absolutely beautiful. Herod's temple was, was a beauty to behold. As a matter of fact, during that time, it was one of the wonders of the Roman world that Herod had built it so beautiful. And yet, we still never read where the glory of the Lord came upon that temple. It was, it, it was a beautiful structure of man, but we never read that the glory of God filled that place, at least not until Jesus himself came into that temple. And you see, that's where I believe what Haggai is speaking, what the Lord is speaking through Haggai at this point. Oh, there's gonna come a time. There's gonna come a time that the glory of this latter temple is gonna be greater than the former. Why? Because Jesus himself is gonna be there. And in that place, I will give peace. Where does that peace come? It comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And again, I look at this and I, I, I believe that what Haggai is speaking or what the Lord is speaking through Haggai here is again in reference to that greater glory. I believe that it's directed related directly to the presence of Jesus in that place. No other thing. Again, we look at this and we understand, man, the Lord doesn't dwell in, in temples made by hands. He dwells in our lives. So let me ask you tonight, how's your temple? Has the glory of the Lord taken up residence within your temple? Or is it just something that you continue trying to work on in your own strength and your own might and your own power? Is your life the creation of man or woman? Or is it really and truly God working and moving in your life and his glory working and moving through you? Yeah, even through the irregularities we, we think of Solomon's temple and just all the beauty and splendor of it. The second temple didn't have that. I, I look at our lives and we're, we're all imperfect. There's imperfections in every one of us. But you know what? The glory of the Lord can still abide within our lives as we open up our lives to him for his glory. As they built, we see again God's handiwork in all of it. And we see that, that in the midst of that, God's promise. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, you are the building of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Haggai's ministry was a short one. It's only two chapters. His, his letter, his book is only two chapters long. His ministry was only about three and a half months long. We don't hear much about him before, much about him afterwards. But his words were powerful. And as he closes up his message, he, he once again reminds the priests, he reminds the people, again, to keep themselves unstained from the world and from all of its pollutions. He reminds them that, again, don't, don't forget, the Lord had sent that severe drought on the land because we had been disobedient. They, you know, for 18 years, they stopped work on the temple. He reminds them of that there in the second chapter. He reminds them that, again, that the Lord is still working, and even if they don't fully see or comprehend his blessing at that current time, it will come. Look at chapter two, verse, verse 19. Verse 19, he, the Lord's speaking to the people uh, again. He says, is the seed still in the barn? And as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. But from this day, I will bless thee. I wanted to stop there where it said the, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, they've not yet yielded fruit. I think sometimes we look at our lives and we think, man, I really don't feel God in my life. I don't, I don't feel his working in my life. I, I want to serve God, but I just don't really feel that, 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 that power, that strength, that, again, that, that overflowing work of the Spirit of God in my life. And yet, guys, his, his word promises us that if we seek him, he will be found. If we desire him, he will come to us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the 
That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.